starting shear number five. Go ahead, Avi, read the Sugi introduction. The mitzvah of Maaser, right here? Okay. Yeah. Although the level of obligation to give Maaser varies greatly among the scheme, all agree that it has been a universally accepted practice for time Mm-mm. immemorial. In this topic, we will explore the source of this practice and the different opinions as to how best to fulfill it. Income and expenses. To begin, we must define what income is subject to ma'asev. While in many ways ma'asev is comparable to the ma'asev of produce, there is a critical difference. By produce, tithing is done based on what grows, regardless of the expenses incurred in raising the floor. By ma'asev of income, the post scheme all agree that expenses are deducted from the total before assessing the amount of income. Clearly, various taxes on businesses, mortgage payments, inflation, and the like all need to be dealt with in our discussion of income assessment. Next, we consider what Ma'asev funds should be used for. Who are the intended recipients and what is the order of primacy within all the many noble causes that come our way? Perhaps more pressing are the personal needs. Can Ma'asev be used for tuition or child care? Can it be used for school dinners, for building funds, for Yom Tov gifts to Rabbeim and Moraz? Also, we look at what benefits the donor is allowed to receive from his ma'asev distribution, such as buying aliyot and other honors. Orders of precedence. In the third segment, we look closer at the orders of precedence when giving staka. Relatives versus neighbors, children versus parents, food versus clothing, local poor versus the poor of Eretz head. We consider whether all your funds should be given to relatives in need, or if the disbursements should be stretched further. Finally, we look at the Hafez Chaim's detailed instructions with regard to the best practices of Ma'asev. Some final points. In the last segment, we close out the laws of Tzedakah with several important considerations. How quickly must a pledge be fulfilled if one made a mental pledge but did not express it and whether one can change his pledge and redirect the money to a different cause. We also take a quick look at the responsibility of the trustees towards money that is lost or stolen, as well as what should be done with any surplus funds. Allah, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so I think we got a very, uh, a very important... <laughs> uh, in addition to the technical differences, tzedakah ma'asir are fundamentally different. Tzedakah is reactive in nature. When you see a person in need, don't ignore his plight. Give as much as you can according to your ability and to the extent of his needs. Ma'asir, on the other hand, is proactive. Hashem has given you bounty. Share it with others. Show gratitude to Him by taking 10% or even 20% if you're able and giving it away in His service. Dr. Zaghi, can I offer you a protein bar? I'm good. Okay. Are you, what? Saying, no, are you it, saying it's not healthy? That he is saying that. This one is very good. I I looked up on the computer which is the healthiest, and this was the second in place. Okay. Usually the ones the ones that taste bad are the healthy ones. Yeah. <laughs> So the number one thing we have to start in understanding what's the source of ma'asir, right? Because tzedakah, we've been learning for the past month. Tzedakah means that it says sukim in the Bible, bestseller, uh, and we said you give him. How much? 
even a, a, a half a shekel a year, which is a very small amount. Even a homeless person living on Pico Boulevard has to give that, that amount of money. No, no, Tetsnaka. Somebody who comes, but we said on the other hand, if somebody comes to ask you in tzedakah, every time you have to give them. Not what I mean every time. That if a poor person comes, you have an obligation to give them. You can't say I don't have. You have to try to give them, even if it's a dollar. Tzedakah, it's not as much as the amount, as much as taking care of the person. And if you're the only person who knows about that person that needs it, and he needs $8,000 now, and you gave all your masir, could you be obligated to give him that $8,000? Usually that's not the case. Usually other people know. But that's the differences, the double-edged sword of tzedakah. This week we're going to get into ma'asir. Separate, separate discussion. As a matter of fact, we're going to see three opinions. One opinion holds deoraita, one's derabanan, one says it's a minhag, and a good minhag that, that you should do. And it's a benefit for us. Let's see. Says the pasuk regarding tithing. It's learn, it, the pasuk is not talking about money. Lecha'ora. Uh, the money is talking about you have grains, you're a farmer. And it says like this. It's a pasuk in Devarim Yudalid. Aser te aser et kol tivot zarecha. Yotzea sadish shana shana. Tithe, tithe. All, all of your produce in the field every single year. Says the Gemara, Aser, Tithe, Bishvil, Shetit Asher. The Shin and the Samech are interchangeable. Tithe, so that you could get rich. It's giving you a financial, uh, a financial, um, a, a piece of advice. How to be rich. Some people don't want to be rich. You don't want to be rich. Don't give Maaser. It's, it's fine. But if you want to be rich, Aser bishvil shetit asher doesn't mean rich. It means making more money. Tit asher means your money will be more. Okay. Richer than where you were. Richer than where you were. Exactly. It's all relative. If I was living in Bangladesh, is is that a good example? Then I'd be a rich man. In LA, you have a let's say a million dollar. How does it matter? Million? What's a million dollars? In my days, growing up, a millionaire. Now. Now my son looks at me. A millionaire? What's a millionaire? A billionaire is what you have. Ah, I said, okay, fine. It says before Mashiach comes, inflation is going Right, that's right. Yukrua she'arim. End of the Magamana Masechet Sanhedrin. So, so since the best investment will be wine, but I don't think we're there yet. Well, uh, that's why there's billboards on Bartenura, actually. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. There's billboards, Bartenura. My, my kid. Okay, so Tosfot discusses right now the obligation. He says like this. Says Tosfot on the side. If anybody's not used to learning Tosfot, now's a good opportunity to give a crack at it. Hachi itaba sifri. This is what's written in the sifri. Aser te aser el Right? So, the Sifri, when was the Sifri written? In the time of the Mishnah. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Bar, it's very authoritative. That's the first source of money. Why, says the Tosfot? How do I know the Pasuk is only talking about grain? But, Let's say interest or business, in other words, finance, money, and any other. In other words, in those days, 
the main type of economy and money was agriculture. Nowadays, by the common folks, it's not. But that's what it used to be. So the Sifri is trying to tell you that when the verse spoke about a grain, it wasn't specifically talking about grain. this, but but any other type of money that you could have made, minayin. How do we know that you're also obligated? Talmud lomar et, because it has the extra work et et, extra word in the Torah et. Davilat it should have said et tivuatecha. What does it mean et kol tivuatecha? All that means anything you make. Anything that you gain from. So too it's written in the Agada. What does that mean, the Agada? It means a Tosefta in Masechet Sota. If you don't properly take off for the poor on your field properly, you'll only have what you make on your field. In other words, what you had last year, you'll get again, but you're not going to get anything more. You're not going to get anything more. So that's what it seems to be from the Sifri, uh, that if you want to make a, 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 a substantial amount of money, give ma'aser. And it, it, it seems to be a Torah obligation. I, I don't know if obligation. It seems to be a Torah obligation. Uh, Concept. What? Is a work if that's your intent? Meaning you're not interested in giving, you're interested in becoming rich. Yeah, yeah, 100% it works. Yeah. Does not make a difference. Yeah, this is the one of the only things we're going to see or a lot of Tesla shit, man. Okay, so. don't come rich, at least feel rich. Number nine, at page number nine. Page number nine. Let's turn the page. This is the, the authoritative halacha work that everything is based on, which is the Tur and Bet Yosef, which is basically the behind the scenes of the Shulchan Aruch. Right? The Tur um, has in the middle, the Bet Yosef is on the side, and then there's a commentary of the Bach. The purpose of showing you this right now is to show you the Bach. The Bach is a little bit extreme over here, and he says... Look where it says that gray bar. You see where that, that gray bar? And he says like this. Mm-hmm. The only thing that is mina Torah is actually giving agriculture. He says that when you have to give money in tithing, that's, um, that's, that's, you know, your real ma'asir that you're obligated to. You have to give a tithing of your agriculture. But any money that you make, basically, uh, basically is, is, rabbi, is, is not even a rabbinic obligation. Rather, it's your... You're, you're, you're giving it and it's counted as maser, but it's not an obligation. So, so the that's the tour. What? So maybe the test doesn't work yet. No. The test will work, but it's not an obligation. In other words, if it was an obligation, then maybe it wouldn't even be a test. It depends on the price to breed, not to like money. What? According to the law, the test is provided by brain, farming stuff, not by other shower of 
He doesn't, that's not, no, he says the obligation. Oh, I don't know if that's what the Bach is saying. The Chavat Ya'ir, on the other hand, the Chavat Ya'ir was Rav Ya'ir Bachrach, lived around 100 years later in the 1700s. And he has a Teshuvah in Shilotu Chavot Chavat Ya'ir 10. And he says, take a look, he says, Omnam ala Bach yesh I don't agree to the Bach. How does he not see no Tosfot in Masechet Ta'anit? What does that mean? He does Erechite Besifri. He brings the whole, the whole, the whole Tosfot. Says the Chavad after he quotes Tosfot. Deoraita. Maaser is a Deoraita. Deoraita. Ve'af im nemash. No, I'm telling you to put it on your pledge uh, uh, campaign sheet. Deoraita. Even if you want to suggest that it might be the Rabbanan and the Pasuk is only a Asmachta, how does the Bach say it's not even the Rabbanan? That's why I was telling you the Bach meant that it's not an obligation, but still you have to give. When you give it, you're fulfilling a Torah concept. That's what I think the Bach is saying. Because of the Sifri, the Bach is broken and we escape. Uh, it's an expression that he argues on the Bach. Yeah. And even him, he should have at least said it's a Dirabanan because of Tosfot and Asmachta. That's why I'm saying the Bach, you have to understand, he probably means that it's a concept there, right? That you're not obligated in. So maybe the best way to do it to cover all the things is to give your money for food. No, that's Why? not. No, you're only obligated according to the Bach if you have a field after you take grain and you make it into flour. You know, you're not even chayav maaser if you take the grain and you don't put it through the house. You go around the house. Yeah, maaser is very specific how it works. You can't just do that. It's not gonna work. Chayev, Chayev, emphasis on Chayev. He says Chayev. What's he going to do with Tosfot is the question. What's he going to do with Tosfot? Very difficult to say, he can't do that. Okay, let's see how others learn the Bach. Let's see how others learn the Bach. Page 11, you open up the Shulchan Aruch. In, um, in, Kufme Dav, uh, in Siman Kufmen Vav. In the laws of Terumotu Ma'asrot. This is not in the laws of Tzedakah. And the laws of tithing of grain, which is applicable in Israel nowadays, right? Right, we have a Kohen over here that he wants, he came over here so he could get all our grain. That's right, because we all, I know how happy you are in the farming. Exactly. I'm I'm growing an etrog tree in the front, Kaplan. I know what it means to you to prune them on the bottom. I just explained it to my uh, gardener who doesn't speak a word of English. Okay, so he's talking about Truma. Look at the Rama. This author of the Shulchan Aruch says the Rama, he ignored all of the halachot of Ma'aser Ani. 
Yes, this is the Rama talking. He's criticizing the Shulchan Aruch. How did he not write anything about the laws of Maaser? That you can learn a lot of things of Tzedakah. So the Taz says, whoa, 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 not so fast. The Taz in Sifkat and Lamed Bet. By the way, who was the Taz in relation to the Bach? His son-in-law. The Taz was... The, do you know the story of the Bach and the, and the Taz? The Taz, one of the great rabbis, once brought his father-in-law to Bedin. Why did he bring his father-in-law to Bedin? Usually you bring your mother-in-law. Yeah, usually you bring your mother-in-law. But he brought his father-in-law to Bedin because his father-in-law uh, didn't have enough money to start supporting him with meat. He started giving him beans instead for protein. So the Taz Brahma, so everyone was like, well, what are you doing? I give you a problem. This is like this, listen. When I learn, I put all my strength inside and the quality and amount of me learning is based on the, what I eat. Now, remember the small portions, whatever. Now, if my father-in-law is not going to give me the meat, in Shamaim, they're going to say that he's liable for it. And Chaz Shalom, he could get a liability because of that. But if in Betin they say it's okay, then he's exempt. And it's not a problem. Huh? What did Betin say? I don't know. <laughs> That's the way to ruin the story. <laughs> Not, not a full story if you don't say what Bedin said. That's the the great giants we were speaking that we're speaking about, right? So the Taz lived in the what late fifteen hundred, sixteen hundreds. I think, says the Taz, that we could compare money that a person is making from uh, produce. Umori Hamizal and my my master, my father-in-law, wrote Katav Shilimaaser Shil Mamon and Lanu Khyuminatura Velomidirabanan. It doesn't have an obligation. And I I am wondering on what he's saying. Because we write in the laws of Tzedakah, Mivuar Shikhyuv Gamuru. It is an absolute obligation. Like all the Puskim write. So therefore, he absolutely does not agree with his father-in-law on this. And then there's a commentary on the bottom called the Pitre Teshuvah. They send this link out to the people. Some people don't have it. Okay, so he says, therefore, it's not the Oraita and it's not the Rabbanan. Comes along, oh, I'm sorry, and the Taz argues, it comes along the Pitchet Teshuvah, and the Pitchet Teshuvah writes, very small writing, and he brings in the name of the Chavot Yair that we just read, 
that it is the Oraita and the Ya'avetz, who was the Rav Yaakov Emdin, also writes this way. And then they bring the Damara Mirotenberg writes like the Bach, that it's a Minhag. It's a Minhag Be'alma. So, so that's where the controversy lies. Contrary to pro- popular belief, uh, it's, it's a big machloket. But it's not a machloket when you fulfill the mitzvah once again. For sure it's a mitzvah and for sure there's a guarantee on it. And that's what the accepted halach is. It's a mitzvah if you're obligated. Because people ask me, oh, I, I have to give mazer. I said, you're not obligated, I tell them. It's a, it's, you're not obligated. If you want to be rich, that's what you do. <laughs> Isn't there another no, that that. What do you mean? That's what it I says. No, no. Obligations on grain, not on mamon. The sif, according to the bar, right? But other posts, no, not that. So it's a machloket. But even if it's not an obligation, okay, what is the bar gonna do with the the sifri? He's gonna learn. It's a minag. That's what I'm trying to tell you. No, not true. It means the rabbanan. You may have an obligation, but the bra because you have a sifri. Okay, so I, by the way, I'll accept a bracha from the rabbanan also. The Torah promise is on the right to fulfillment. You're saying there's a source for the Torah fulfillment. If you do the Torah fulfillment, you get a Torah bracha. Right, but if you don't, there's no. a source for it. You're saying there's a source for it. You're just picking one, no, but most, one most, objection. Most possibly. Okay, should you accept upon yourself Maser, says the Chafetz Chaim? Beli Neder, you should do it. Twelve. Now, whoa, if I'm speaking to a Persian crowd, Beli Neder means no. So, <laughs> so that's not what the Chafetz Chaim meant. That's not what the Chafetz Chaim meant. Speak to an Ashkenazi, Beli Neder means yes, 100%, but he wants to protect himself. <laughs> a Persian says no, and he's being nice, and he's being respectful. It's not, uh, it's not a problem. I'm just saying you have to know who you're speaking to. Now, Chavetz Chaim says like this. I'm going to explain to you what you should do by Maaser. You should make a condition at the beginning of giving Maaser. That you're doing it like When you start giving, when you start calculating, when you start making money and calculating. So you shouldn't have any stumbling with a, a nether. Because let's say you accept it upon yourself as a nether and you don't do it, it's a problem. Now, let's... Oh, wait, I'm not finished. You should have a separate notebook. I have notebooks that I have a friend who produces them. It was Jeff Bezos and it fits into my pocket. You see this? It was right over here. And that's how I remember. Why? Because I, my phone I don't usually have during, during seder, so I, I, I have this that I write. However, a person, by the way, it says in the Gemara, that you'd give Rabbi Ishmael, would all have, always have a pinkas with him, that would write things down. He once tipped over a, 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 a candle on Shabbat, he says, I have to bring Korban when Mashiach comes. How am I going to remember that I have to bring that Korban? He wrote it down. Where did you get that? 
Jeff Bezos. He has a company called Amazon. But I had to work hard, yeah, to find this size. So I, I, if you want, I could try to find it on my orders. No, no, I had to pay. Isn't there a limitation on the test? Because if you're doing over 20%, doesn't the Torah say don't give 80%? We're going to learn about that. We're going to learn about that. Yeah, we're going to learn about that too. What? Depends how much you make. Schools, all of that, tuitions, all that of that. makes a billion dollars. In order to, for us to understand all of these questions, I need to empower you that you become the rabbis in understanding this. I could just feed you information, yes, no, yes, no, what does that work? I'm empowering you by learning the sources inside from the beginning. But I do want to tell you, I do want to tell you that Rabbi Kushner, our good friend Rabbi Kushner, that Rabbi Brander, when he went for the, oh, you went also? The valley. So he actually uh, learned with them a little bit. He went, I brought him three times he came in, right? So he is, uh, when he spoke at one of the Aguda symposiums uh, for Yarchi Kala to the uh, to businessmen about the topic of Tzedakah Maser, which is an important topic. People want to know uh, what to give, how to give. Right now people are prioritizing majorly to vests in Israel. Not so sure, you know that the, the, the Rav, Rav Dov Lando, the Gadolador, said people should be investing towards Torah. People should be investing towards Torah, and because uh, there's a lot of Baruch Hashem, a lot of funding in other places that they will get from that. But how are the, the, the Torah institutions? Should they? Rav Hotner also said that during war. So e- each one is going to have their. That's why daily giving website helps you get the best because it's diverse. Small percentage portfolio. It. Putting in. Uh-huh. It's actually very good. I find out. Oh, that one that day. Rabbi Krohn spoke about, about daily giving. Uh-huh. Yeah, because of us. And every day I get an email what they're donating, my, my $2. Beautiful. So, and I wanted to tell you something else also that, so what he mentions, Rabbi Kushner, is that if you don't have a separate sub-account in your bank account for tzedakah, it's very hard to keep track. If you don't have a separate sub-account uh, uh, of how... At the start of the show, if you don't have a separate sub-account, you're not going to be a... Except, listen, you're an accountant, so you have it all down-packed. I'm not listening to you. You're all organized like that. Most people, as soon as you get... And, and we're going to speak about people that don't get a set salary. People who put investments in and get distributions. So when do they do Maser? When they take the distribution. You get the distribution, put 10% in. Then you have a year to decide or whatever else to decide. We'll see how long it takes in order to distribute that money. But if you're not going to start having a separate account, eh, you're going to try to remember things. Forget about it. That's the Yitzhahara. You're not doing Maser. Say Bli Neder and just say, forget about this. Okay. So, uh, let's get to you. So, when he says that, what percentage are we talking about? Separate account just for the first 10% or just a separate account? In general, you should have a separate Tzedakah account. It's separate tzedakah account. And Mr. Accountant here will tell us how you, if it's a, you don't, you know, you don't have to have it a 401c3 anyways. What you could do is that when you give out, so they'll give those receipts eventually. You could have a trust, a foundation, and put it there totally. Uh, that you got to, if, if you have a trust and a foundation, so yallah. I'm just saying if you don't, that's how you do it. And I, and Chase, they have that. You can make a separate account. And then he said, I have like 13 accounts because I have, I have nine kids. You know, so, so each kid has some. Binyamin doesn't have a lot of money. He's uh, seven years old. He's, uh, he, he, he's eight years old. You're right. I'm sorry. He, he doesn't. Uh, 
he, he doesn't have a lot of money. He remembers. He, he had the Shalom Zachar in his house. Yeah, 2015. Master, you still count? What? The master, you still count? No, I'm saying sub accounts. I also have a tzedakah account. Yes, I have a tzedakah account. Now, wait, wait, is it, is it let's continue. I'm telling you, open up a sub account. That's all I'm telling you. Says page 13. Near oh, Lydia. You can make fun of me, it doesn't matter. I know what I'm saying will work. I'm not making fun of you, just but you just saying make, make, what do you do with the seller account? You put money inside. Oh no way, I thought you put potatoes in there. Now listen to this. Rabbi Bloy, who was the uh, the great Rav. Uh, uh, he was uh, in uh, Sanhedrin Morchevet. I mentioned to you his name before. He was actually Rabbi Grama's stepfather-in-law at the end of his life. Somebody who gets a set um, um, salary every month. And this month, way overboard in expenses. His wife wanted a new diamond necklace. And she said, you owed it to me for four anniversaries already. <laughs> now he's in trouble. And then his response is, why didn't you get a job? And then, and then, and then he finds himself on the couch the next morning. And then he finds himself in the couch the next morning. Yes. He doesn't have any money this month. It could be that month. He's patur for maaser. Dumya, like somebody who has a minhag to fast during a Sarah and this a Sarah he's especially weak in the hospital, so he doesn't fast. So just like that, just like the same thing when somebody has good months, regular months, and this month he's down the drain. Right? That's what he says. That's his chidush. I, I, I know, but that's his chidush. That's his chidush, right. We're going to see. It, it's a little bit, it's not so simple. Ramosha Feinstein has a teshuva about this. And... Yeah, you're right. When you have a bit... We're talking about... That's why he started. When you have a set salary. You're a worker that gets $10,000 in the bank every single month. And this month, and every single month, your expenses are $6,000. This month, it was crazy. We're not talking about things that you didn't anticipate. Things that you didn't uh, that you anticipate. Things that you didn't anticipate. That's what he says, you're patur that month. Very interesting. Now, Ramoshe Feinstein suggests that... That even if you don't have enough for your own needs... You should still give ma'aser as long as you have enough for the next short while. And that's a chidush. I mentioned to you that I myself had the, had the zechut and opportunity of asking this question to Revel Yashiv. And I told him like this. I wasn't making a, a large salary being an avreich in Israel, as you can imagine, right? And my wife's uh, work salary, while uh, I, I actually, I act, yeah, Chappelle's, before I thought Chappelle's. And then half of the people here learned in Chappelle's, right? So, so uh, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you, you didn't learn in Chappelle's? You also learned in Chappelle's. Oh, he also, yeah, half of the people in Chappelle's. Yeah. And, 
And what happened was, what happened? I, I remember even I used to get like a thousand shekel or less than that from the kolel. And I come home to my wife. I say I don't like the kolel I'm learning with. I'm going back to yeshiva, which meant zero. Because <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I can't do it there. And like I was being so I made no money from kolel. And uh, whatever we we made it at the end. And and um, and what was interesting was was so I go to Rav Yashev and I tell him, uh, is somebody who has no income, no money. To give Maser, he's patur for Maser, I asked him. Somebody who's exempt from Maser, and he still gives, will he get the bracha? And I, I usually Rabbi Yashiv's sitting like this, all the Torah in his head, right? Sitting like this? Yes, no. Here, he was very emphatic, very, uh, very lively. He says, what? The bracha is especially said on that. He says, not only the bracha is also said on that, that's when the bracha is said. Now you understand why I was critical of Danny beforehand when he was saying, oh, the bracha is not going to come this or that. No. On the contrary, in French they say, au contraire. Au contraire. <laughs> that it, on the contrary, if you're going to give the ma'aser when it's hard for you and when you're exempt, especially you get a bracha. That's what he said. So he get like it's like more of a guarantee. So Ramosha Feinstein is going on that. I, I, you know, every time I went to him with a question, I felt like an idiot after the answer. That was it. Was like everything was simple to him. Everything was straight, simple, clear. Okay. So Ramosha Feinstein says that if one is obligated to tie this income. Even if he doesn't have enough for his own needs, as long as he had enough for the next short while, then it's okay. Now, there's another teshuvah that might say a little not that way, but that's what that's what he says. Okay, let's continue. Now let's learn the laws of Hilchot Sidaka. Okay? Hilchot Sidaka is not in the laws of tithing, rather it's Siman Rishbem Tetin Shulchan Aruch. And that we learned beforehand that a person, how much does he give of Sidaka? We learned this. And he says like this, Shir how much does a person give? If he has enough money, he gives according to what the aniyam need. It's very hard to know. Need is based upon when they come to your table. How do you do that? I have no idea. Nowadays, you know, if you lived in a small city with no connection to anyone around you, there was 20 aniyam in the city, 500 people lived in the city. Basically, if every person gave... Uh, uh, 400, uh, uh, we'll say, 4% of their salary, all the Indian were covered, that's how much you had to give for tzedakah. I'm not talking about maser, tzedakah, right? Maser, then they could open up yeshivot, and they could open up other stuff. But that, that, that's, that, that's tzedakah. Nowadays, that you have communications all over, you can be the biggest billionaire, you'll never have money. Because you have to give according to the name of the world. doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, I told you at the, at the Levaya of Moshe Reichman, which I had the, the zechut of attending, his son Barry got up there and said that the reason why he got into Canary Wharf from the beginning, there was an investment in London that he got in that at the end did really, really well, but before and the banks pulled out on him. And he said that, that his, he, he told his son, Barry, start compiling a list of the collective debt of every single Torah institution in the world. We're going to cover it. <laughs> that was his thoughts. He thought like big like that. 
and 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 whatever Hashem wanted didn't want it to happen that way. So that, that, there's, so, a, there's there. a famous uh, story about him uh, that you know he after he lost a lot of money, he went to Rav Shach and he asked him. He says, you know, what why what did this happen? You know, he's, he's giving you really understand. So Rav Shach told him, you know, give me a day and come back. So he came back to see Rav Shach and he was his biggest supporter. Rav Shach was crying and he said you know it's, it's, it's because you didn't give the 10% you were supposed to give and he went back he made his calculation he did not, he did not give the 10% wow you're serious yeah wow amazing amazing he was, he was, he was a phenomenal Jew I mean, as much as I, he I lived gave. in Toronto and I knew his son I knew his family he was a he, was a, he taught the world that was the slogan he taught the world how to give he was like one of the he first pioneers. He was a yeshiva in, in, in England, I think, with the big Rav. With Rav Moshe Sternbach. He got the, the shorter end of the stick. Right, what happened was, was, that, was that, that Rav Schneider gave a bracha. He gave one person had to pick up the bread every day, another person had to wake up everyone. Rav Moshe Sternbach, who's the gadla, you know, the big posik nowadays, he was in the job of waking up everyone. And Rav, and Rav Moshe Reichman was about picking up the old bread from the bakery. So he says, this one... He got a, he's gonna uh, giving him a bracha of wealth. And this one I'm giving him a bracha of Torah. Rachman always complained, he wished that he got the other bracha of uh, being the Rav. Okay, so let's continue. You know, listen to the recording at the end. The proper now the Gemara continues, says, He has to give a twentieth. And at least a tenth is average. less than a tenth, Ain Ra'a. He's being stingy. And a 20% that they say, that's the first year. Now there's first year of your principle. From then on, a chomesh of what you remember. So basically, tzedakah is according to what people need. But let's say people, that there's no way of calculating that. So the Shukhanar gives you the formula. A fifth is the best. Less than a tenth is bad. And a tenth is average. <laughs> That's the concept. What? A fifth is the best. Twenty percent. That's the best. Now, uh, and you look at the English uh, number sixteen. The proper way to give chomesh is by giving a full twenty percent of the principal at its outset, and then twenty percent annually of every subsequent profit. Same method would apply when gives maaser. The first twenty percent of the of your principal that you're gonna. Invested. We're going to see how that works in nowadays. Because nowadays it's just like... We're going to learn all of that. For example, one who receives an inheritance should first give 10% of it towards ma'aser and then 10% of any subsequent profits. When calculating profits, the post can disagree as when we deduct the business expenses needed for these profits. Additionally, within one's ma'aser... What the period some poskim allow deducting losses incurred in other ventures from the profit assessment, giving maaser only on the remainder. It is therefore advisable to have a set calendar day at the end of annual maaser calculations, calculate all profits and losses accordingly. Practically, it's beneficial to use at the end of the fiscal year so that you should calculate your maasrot the end of December and seeing what is owed, what is not owed. Okay, so let's see. The Node Yehuda, let's see some details over here. It gets very interesting. The Node Yehuda, who was the great Rabbi Cheskel Landau, lived in the 1700s. 
does not like the idea of separating Maaser against future prophets. In other words, he has a lot of money now and he's giving, or let's say he didn't know about Maaser. So he gave like a lot, a lot of money. And I said, oh, there's the, you know what? I want to keep Maaser now. So could I count what I gave? He doesn't like that. Maaser is like when you, when you get, you tithe it, not on the future. So you can't trust Hashem saying, I'm going to give a million dollars now. The next expectation, I'm going to make 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what comes out. I'm going to borrow a million. He, his case that he was asked by somebody was that a person would give, give, give. And here he sits down and makes calculation. He gave more than he was supposed to. Can he count it for the next year? He doesn't like that. He says, maybe... Maybe he's a maybe with the evidence, but he definitely doesn't like that. And again, the concept is because when you get something, right, to give maaser. Okay, Aruch Hashulchan, who was in the 1900s, Aruch Hashulchan, he says, "What about all of your business expenses? What do you do with that?" This would include taxes. Um, yeah, it says taxes. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get to taxes also, but yeah, v'chinu davar pashut. It's, it says the Aruchashuchan, it's from year to year, from Roshana to Roshana. Ve'im b'shana zu hayalo asakim sheyesh sheharevach be'em v'yesh yevsid be'em. Let's say in this year he had businesses that made a lot and that lost a lot. Oseheshbon klali. He makes a a general calculation. Umashin sheharevach. Noten ma'asir l'tzedakah Ubechlal revach Noten rak revach hanaki Vechol ha'otzot shayalo ala esek And he gives from the net in other words And all of the expenses that he had on the business Even what he traveled And what he ate And what he drank in the inns As he was traveling on the way to the Yearly market in uh, Nicholsburg Nechshav al-otzot ha'esek That's considered business expenses and he deducts everything. And what's left afterwards is called revach. His rent, he shouldn't do, deduct that. Therefore, somebody who makes a thousand gold coins a year, he should give a hundred or two hundred to tzedakah. And even though even though he has to spend a lot of money, even more than a thousand zuv in his house, because he has to spend a lot of money, even more than a thousand zuv in his house. In other words, what you have to do is that whatever you gave to guests that came that were poor, that you could take off from Ma'asir. Whatever it costs for diapers for your children. Even though you're going to say, what? It says in the Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, supporting your children is Tzedakah. So you're a wise guy and you say, oh, so all of the money that I'm giving to my children that I pay for their pampers, 
and for their uh, and for uh, and for their uh, 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 babysitting and for their you know bottles and for their clothing. That's all tzedakah. It says no, 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 no. Says our Rishon, no. And zebichlat tzedakah. In other words, what's on tzedakah is considered what you give to poor people, and that's it. And business expenses. Because it's not that business expenses is tzedakah. It's not called profit. Right? If they spend a million dollars to make $200,000, you're not making a million dollars. You're making $200,000. Correct? Maybe this is a tangent, but two questions. One is... If a family member is not poor, but without your help, they wouldn't be able to do anything that they normally do. They can't take a vacation, they can't enjoy anything in life, very basic. Is that tzedakah if you help that family member? I would, I, I, I would venture to say without knowing too many details, to me that sounds yes. Because if he's not able to live a normal life... So, uh, so, and he's your family member that you're obligated to give, like you're obligated to help your family member first before everybody else, as we learned. So then I would imagine that, that he's, you would never give him money for extravagances. And everybody, it's normal that they take a vacation or do it. If, you know, you're supporting him so he could have a, he could have a Maserati. And it's not normal that everybody in his circles has a Maserati. Because if it's normal, then that's called tzedakah. That if it's normal, uh, if he's living in the Beverly Hills and all his friends have a fancy car and he can't drive a Hyundai that's from a 2005, it's called tzedakah to give him a normal car. Right? We know that. But, but, uh, but, but, but if you think that it's a normal thing, I think that if your judgment is like that, then I would probably consider that. Yes, 100%. When you're buying why is that So we said buying aliyot, if you didn't have in mind to give it from Maser, it's an obligation like a debt. Like, so then you can't count the Maser. But the Taz says that before you buy an Aliyah, you say in your mind, it's coming from my Maser. And when I'm giving it Maser, this is just the way to do it. Because Sephardim love buying things. That's, that's how they give tzedakah. They love buying things. So then, for sure you're allowed. And that's, that's the common... I always tell... I try to remember to tell people. That's more Ibn Duyuk. Before Shalim Kippur, always have in mind that you're giving from Maaser. Because otherwise, it's nice, but you're not going to be fulfilling Maaser. And Chaval, you could be fulfilling Maaser if you have in mind. Okay. Especially if you give to Maganavot, because Maganavot's Kiddush is so calculated that it's so that we, your money is the best spent. Mr. Kaplan takes care of that. Baruch Hashem. No, no, it's like people want all these. Machine, it's like stuff, it's three bucks a piece, and, people, and then, and then they're like, "You're still hungry. We need to get more." It's like we're gonna break the bank. Eight forty-five. Eleven fifteen. Eleven. Eleven. Oh, stop it! I just got a question. I just got a question this morning from T-Neck. and they want to know where to cut da- down davening. I answered him like this. Any Moroccan community is going to be longer than your average Eduta Mizrach because they sing more. There's, that's the reality. They daven. It's enjoyable and that's why people go. There's nothing to do about it. 
you're going to have to find where to cut down because you can't be too drastically different. But don't try to say you're going to be the same as everyone else because that's taking away from a Moroccan minion. Then just you're just it like... It can be 20 minutes longer and you have enough singing. Maybe you can start Baruch Shammai. Yeah. Well, we... Adam is a proponent which is starting at 9, so it is different. What? We party. And then until what? Until Mincha. Okay, next. Yeah, okay, let's, let's go further. Oh, you think it, huh? Because there's uh, people who don't come because I don't come, I don't die. All right. Show politics aside, I wanted to give my praises to Adam in public. Next. He grew the motion 19. Although income tax can be deducted from the profit assessment as well as property tax on investment or commercial properties, Ramosha Feinstein is answering to Rav Michael Jacobs in the year 19. 55. If, oh, are you allowed to take off taxes for Ma'asir? He was asked this in 1955 and he answers, There's a difference in taxes. Kesef Gilgol Tashu Karga, regular income tax that's written in the Gemara is like any other obligation. I'm sorry, any other tax that a person has to pay because they are a member in the community. Every person has to pay $100 if they're part of the Jewish community. So then, that's like any other obligation and you cannot deduct it from Masir. And he, he brings a proof. And then I'm going to skip the paragraph. Aval. But that's only like a tax per head. Gulgota means the head. But the taxes in our country... He's talking about the United States of America. Um, no offense to you, Mr. Canadian. In other words, also the taxes that a person pays, uh, that's called sales tax. So he can't say, oh, I paid, uh, I paid, I had expenses, of $5,000 this year in clothing and uh, 1000 of that was income tax. Uh, it was sales tax. You can't deduct sales tax either. He says that's the price of the item. But mimisim shall him income tax. He says, and he says this, that's how he writes it, income tax. But taxes that are income tax, it's like you didn't gain from it. It's the cost, it's a, it's a business expense. The local taxes tax is not for the Jews. It's like shul membership. Right. Exactly. And that's a big question because I didn't want to say that word because some say that there's a way how to make shul membership structured in a way that you could deduct it from us here. Some shuls at the bottom of their applications, you could deduct this. So we'll speak about it in a moment. But here, you're right. According to your assessment, that should come out. Then he continues. Property tax. Also, you're not obligated in Maser. You can deduct that from your Maser. Let's say you pay on your business property taxes. Not residential. Um, not residential taxes. I guess that's part of your... I think that's part of your... I think that's part of your um, rent. It's like rent, you have to take a maser off your rent. Right. So, so you have to take maser off your your home tax. 
Yeah, other types of residential. So the burger cannot be deducted. So in other words, property tax from your business, you could you could deduct from us here. But property tax from your home is considered part of your residential uh, uh, expenses. Motion advice as the tax benefits received from giving charity are not considered gains, it's subject to Maser. And how about you get tax benefits from giving charity? That's not considered, uh, that, uh, or they're not considered gains that are subject to Maser. Okay. That's also important to see. One last thing, uh, one, one last, a few things that were the important details when we're finished at a time. The buyer of a commercial property cannot deduct mortgage payments as business expenses because he's thereby acquiring the property for himself. Is there any room to deduct property taxes on personal assets because of all the crazy inflation in LA? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I didn't hear that question. However, perhaps interest payments could be deducted as an expense. What does that mean? Interest payments for what? The bu- the 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 because the insurance the interest a person is buying a property and with the rental that he's getting he's paying the mortgage Rabbi Yashiv was asked about this and he says maybe the interest could be deducted as an expense not the principal so that's paying a thousand dollars principal, four thousand dollars interest. That you could deduct because that's an investment, just rolling it in. Yeah. But the a thousand dollars you're gaining. So that's interesting. People so don't know this. Interest on the mortgage you can deduct. That's what that's what they say on the bottom. Commercial, commercial, commercial. Yeah, commercial. Commercial, yeah. Now Rav was asked. Yeah, what about the rent on a commercial? Yeah. Office rent. You're getting the office rent on a commercial. Do you have a mortgage? If you don't have a mortgage, that's pure gains. Of course you take ma'aser off. If you have a mortgage on it, the interest part of it you can deduct, but not the capital gains that you're getting of $1,000 per month you're getting off from your mortgage on that principal. That you have to take off ma'aser because that's considered that you're gaining. Rav writes in page 21 that... that if money that is invested gains value... You're not obligated to separate Maser until the money is taken out for use, right? So let's say you have a business and you keep on investing in the business. And whatever you make out of the business, you put back in. So you're not really, you don't have to take Maser off that. Only at the end, when you take out for yourself, that's when you take it off. One who's sold on credit does not calculate the profits until he receives the payments. By extension, real estate or stocks that rise in value do not obligate in Maser until the value is extracted. That's very important as well. And Ramosha Feinstein in another teshuva, I'm just reading the bottom because we're out of time. When assessing a rise in property value, one may calculate the rate of inflation against the common goods. That was your question, Mr. Uh, Gulian. And only giving Maser on the true value. Yes, it is complex. So basically, like if you get a 401k, you have to give Maser on the mouth of a match when you get the match. Right. And what about gifts? When you get gifts and and health insurance... I'm going to discuss this next week because I want to also read next week the, the Sikum because I want to do it properly and it's going to lead into the next subject anyways. It's all one subject. So we're going to stop over here. Oh, yeah? I know we have Rabbi Union on this Thursday. It's my third year of Thanksgiving because I'm American.
Okay. So it's my third year. What do you mean it's your third year? You had Thanksgiving before. It was still not. No, I never had Thanksgiving before. What do you mean? In Canada, they don't have Thanksgiving. Yes, they do. 